0: Good morning again. Thank you, Pastor Andrew, for the pastoral prayer. And that's actually something that's exciting for me to talk about as I begin my message for all of us this morning. The simple question I want to ask you is, do you believe that God answers prayer? I mean, that's, that's an amazing thing to understand and to actually experience, that God would actually listen to us And hear our prayers. And and what's cool about that is that God loves us so much, especially someone as broken and messed up as myself, that God would actually listen to my prayers. And that's part of something that's exciting for me to share with you this morning is the uh, amazing grace that God gives to us. That through that grace, through no merit of my own, I don't deserve anything, but God would actually Listen to me and give me that kind of personal relationship through His Son Jesus Christ. and then I have an opportunity then to, to share about that to people like you, to be able to share his glory, to extend his glory to the rest of the world. And that's my uh, premise this morning to share about how God has been active in my life. Now last weekend uh, I had an amazing time where I get to do something, which I really love to do, and that's go fish. I go with about 15 other, uh, 14 other guys, there's 15 of us. We go down to um, San Diego and we board a boat and we head south into Mexico. Now, tuna fishing has been something that was kind of like on oh, my bucket list of things. I've done all kinds of fishing, but I always thought that tuna fishing would be one of those things that would be out of my reach because it's just one of those uh, more challenging things to fight that that amazing creature, and also the equipment is a little bit more expensive to, to get involved in. But fortunately, through a relationship here in a church, there's one guy in our church that has a family that's in the tuna uh, fishing business, and so he arranged these trips for us. So that's a blessing from God to be able to do that. Now, this recent trip when we're going down south last weekend, uh, we usually board about 10 p.m. at night, and so we sleep on the the boat, and, and two, we arrive at the fishing grounds, which is about 30 to 50 miles south of San Diego in Mexico, and so when we wake up, it's about five or six in the morning, and we begin fishing, and on this particular trip, it was going to probably look like a very disastrous trip because for almost eight to nine hours, we didn't really catch any fish. There was 15 of us, and maybe we caught six or seven uh, skipjack, which is not really tuna. It's actually a mackerel, a big mackerel, and, and a couple of dorado, which is, for some of you, that are familiar, it's mahi-mahi. Uh, so it's an interesting fish, too. But we only had six to eight of these fish for 15 of us after seven to eight hours. So when you're on a boat in the middle of the ocean, rocking, there's really nothing much to do but kind of stare at each other and nod off into sleepiness. So on this particular trip, I I had realized this is going to be a pretty bad, disappointing trip. But I usually do something, and, and don't think I'm childish, but I usually pray before I go fishing. Because, you know, in my childlike mind, I feel I have a special relationship with God and that God will grant any brazen request that I give to him. So at the 11th hour, desperate times require desperate measures. So I remembered, oh, yeah, I haven't prayed today. So in the galley, as I'm nodding off and watching everybody else trying to avoid getting sick, I'm praying to God. I said, God help me get my limit of yellowfin tuna. <laughs> and so this is about like almost three o'clock, and I know we're almost about to return back to San Diego. So as soon as I said that prayer, and then, oh, okay, I also have to add this. Not thinking that I'm selfish and self-centered, I did say, oh, yeah, uh, can you help the other guys get fish too? <laughs> so I gave him a plug to God. And then as soon as I gave that prayer, the captain goes over to the intercom, and he says, hey, we just hit a big school of fish. They're all around us on the boat, so just cast out. So how they stimulate the the tuna to come up to the surface is the deckhands start chumming uh, sardines in the water. So all day they've been trying to do this, but nothing's happening. And as soon as they did it on this particular time, the water started to explode. That means the tuna are all coming up to feed. And so we just start throwing our lines out and then we're hitting tuna. And also skipjack, because in the midst of the water, you don't know what's gonna come out of the water. And usually tuna and skipjack uh, are are, um, schooling together. But in my particular case, every single cast I threw out, I picked up a yellowfin tuna. So in one hour, I picked up my limit of five which is pretty good. And that was pretty amazing. After that one hour, my left arm was dead. <laughs> I couldn't close it. It was so tired. And, and so it was amazing that that God actually listened to me and answered my prayer. And I tell you, it couldn't be anything else because I'm not that skillful. I'm pretty novice at catching tuna. But I was the only one in a boat who limited out. And every cast I cast out, I had a yellowfin tuna, which is there's no way you can select other guys had to fight Skipjack, uh skip jack or they they then they would get a yellow fin, but they nobody else got five consecutive yellow, yellow fin, and I was only one out of the fifteen. That was an amazing testimony of god's grace to me and being able to answer my prayer so that's a little tip. go ahead and ask God for anything <laughs> Tell whether he will answer it yes or no, but for me that's been my amazing experience on that last trip. And for me to be able to share that story of his amazing grace to me, of answered prayer, is my way of being able to extend his glory to others through my testimony and witness. Enjoying God's grace and extending his glory is exactly what God's plan is and purpose for his people. David Platt says this in his book, radical. God's plan and purpose for his people is to enjoy God's grace, but also extend God's glory to ends of the earth. Can you believe that? That the most awesome God wants to have us enjoy his blessing, to enjoy his grace, and especially the grace that comes through his son, Jesus Christ, and be able to to experience that grace, which I have, to transform you, to change you, to give you peace and comfort that nothing else in the world can, and then be able to share that with other people through your witness and your testimony is how you give God the credit, just as I give God the credit for allowing me to catch the fish. That's how we extend his greatness or his glory to other people. And that's God's purpose for us. And that's an amazing purpose because all of us come into this world wondering, why are we here? And if you follow Jesus Christ, you have a purpose that is greater than yourself, that God intended you to do for him. And this purpose, this plan that God had, had for all of us is something that he planned and was intentional about from the beginning of creation, to mankind, he says this in Genesis 1, verse 26 to 28. The verses say, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And in, in, continuing in verse 27, So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. Now, in that creation story, God created Of all the creatures, he chose man and women to be in his likeness. That's an amazing thing, that we look like God. And his intentionality to do that is because when we walk the earth, when we do things that are similar to what God does, others would recognize that. And that's God's intention, that we would be like him to others. And in this passage from Genesis 1 In the creation story, it says there that, in verse 28, and God blessed them. Out of no merit, no accomplishments done yet, nothing that men and women have done to deserve that kind of credit, God said he blessed them. That's grace. Right off the bat in the creation story, God demonstrates his amazing grace By blessing humankind. And and do we deserve it? No. But it's God's choice to do that. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. And right there you get this concept that's important for God that his people multiply, become numerous, to spread his likeness throughout the world. And that's part of the Uh, That's the plan that God had from the the beginning, that we would uh, enjoy his grace and extend his glory to the ends of the earth. In the story of the calling of Abram, who later his name is changed to Abraham, in Genesis 12, verse 1 to 3, we see the same thing, where Abraham is blessed by God, and the scripture says he will be a blessing to others. Verse 1 in chapter 12 of Genesis, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And in you, further in verse 3, And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Here again we see God's grace to Abraham. Abraham doesn't deserve this. He hasn't done anything. God of his own volition, chooses Abraham to bless him, to extend his grace to him without any merit from, from Abraham to be able to be a blessing to others so that he would be a great nation so that other nations, families in other nations, may know our great God. And finally, in, in, in Acts 1, verse 8, this concept of God blessing his people wanting us to enjoy his grace and then through that experience extending that 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 amazing grace that he has to others to be able to share his glory comes clearly from what Jesus tells his followers in the early church and essentially to us to this day he says in acts 1 verse 8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. We are to be his witnesses, to testify, to have testimony about our great God, about Jesus, who gives us the most wonderful gift of grace through the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit that he gives to us gives us an amazing power, superpower, a power where, like in my fishing story, you can ask God, and God will actually listen to you and can answer you in a positive way or whatever way. But that's the kind of relationship that we have through Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus says to go and be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth—that's our purpose to extend His glory throughout the world. Now, when I, I share this, this, this common purpose that God has for us from the beginning of creation to to the to this day about enjoying His His grace and extending His glory, a lot of you are going, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, okay." I mean, what, what does that mean? I'm mean, just probably some sort of catch. And there's only two ways uh, that really uh, is important for us to be able to extend God's glory. That means we kind of have to be part of that plan by using our mouths to share about Jesus to other people, to tell other people about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, now, I know a lot of that. As soon as I s- say that, there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear, a lot of objections, a lot of excuses not to do that. But if first understand, and if you believe me that that's God's plan for us to enjoy His grace, which if you made that commitment to Jesus Christ and received uh, grace through that, then your life has changed, should be genuinely changed. And in response to that, you would want to share that good news with others to be able to share God's glory to other people. Just like when I went fishing and I caught all that tuna, a lot of you enjoyed me sharing my fish with you right after the trip. But that's the same thing with the gospel is that when God has that reality of changing your life, transforming you, you would be so excited and wanting, desiring to share it to others. Whether it's locally, domestically, in the United States, or even overseas, wherever that may be. But that's what you would want to do, right? But there are the usual objections to do this and actually maybe even go on a mission or go to overseas, to go into even Richmond, California. There are things that, that cause us to hesitate, to not com- feel comfortable about. And I listed up a, a few common objections for you, and I'm going to quickly go through it. Uh, I'm not going to actually go through the scripture too quickly. You can look through it. Some of these are stories many of you are familiar with, but Jesus talks about these with his own followers, or people who are interested in following him. And a lot of people had objections. A lot of people had hesitation to do so because other things were occupying their mind. And one of the first things I came up with was that often we are not willing to give up being with our friends and family to follow Jesus or to obey Jesus and what he calls us to do. We are often more concerned about our families and their well-being versus what God wants us to do. It is the, I cannot leave my family or relationships excuse. Some of you have been there, experienced that? In Luke 9, verse 60, Jesus said this to such people who had the concern that they wanted to take care of their family first. He says in verse 60, leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Essentially, Jesus is saying there was someone who was thinking about following him, but he said, I kind of have to take care of my father who just passed away. I got to go bury him. And Jesus says, some of you may seem uh, to feel it's a little harsh, but Jesus says, let the spiritually dead take care of the spiritually dead. But those who are alive in me, come follow me and know the true meaning of life. Another common objection that some of us have is that some people will find it difficult to give up their career, or more importantly, the paycheck that comes with that career, to obey Jesus' command to follow. It is the financial cost is too much for me to do what you ask me, Jesus. And we see this addressed in Mark 10, uh, chapter 10, verses 17 to 31. Pastor Andrew gave a message about that, about the rich young ruler and uh, hesitancy of doing what Jesus uh, asked him to do. Jesus told the young man, see all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. And in verse 22, disheartened by the saying, he, the young man, went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. So he could not give up that paycheck to follow Jesus and that's the financial cost is too great excuse. And and another and a final kind of, kind of common objection is rooted in how we normally are very geocentric and even ethnocentric where we're comfortable where we're at and we're comfortable with people who are very much like ourselves. When we get outside of that, we're not very comfortable. And actually we often avoid that with great effort to be with people who are different from ourselves, who are educated differently from ourselves, who are from different social levels than ourselves. We're more comfortable with people like ourselves. And that's a common objection. It's the, they're not my neighbor excuse. It's like, I don't know. them; They're not like me. Why should I reach out to them? And that's a common objection. And in Luke 10, Jesus deals with that kind of barrier. A lawyer asked Jesus, how do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus told him, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Kind of two elements that in our own church's mission statement. Love God, love others as yourself. And so not wanting to leave things be, this lawyer Heard that answer, then thought he would be clever because he was starting to feel some anxiousness about what Jesus said. Because Jesus says, "Love your neighbor." And so this lawyer thought he could justify himself. That oh yeah, yeah, I do that. I love God. I love other people. I love all. I love my family. I love my. I love Joe who lives next door to me. I love uh, Sally who I work with. But Jesus saw that. He saw what was truly in the heart of that young young lawyer. And when the lawyer asked this follow-up question, he said, so who is my neighbor? And Jesus said something to him to challenge him, to get him out of his comfort zone. And he says the story of the, of the parable of the Good Samaritan, where of all the people that helps this poor person who got hurt on the road wasn't a priest it wasn't a levite it was this samaritan and for the jewish people for this lawyer who happened to be an israelite the samaritans were their enemies they hated each other and for jesus to use that example he was essentially telling this lawyer this self-righteous lawyer that your neighbor is likely somebody who you don't even like Someone that is not even common to you. And that's the radicalness, the extensiveness of God's compassion for other people. And if we are to be like him, remember, he created us in his image. We are to have that same kind of love and that kind of compassion that is radical enough that we would love someone that we would even hate our enemy someone who has hurt us, disappointed us. But that's the kind of love, that's the kind of compassion, that's the kind of grace that is amazing and that God wants us to emulate and do in the world. That's his plan. God's plan and purpose for his people is to enjoy his grace and also to extend his glory to the ends of the earth. And so that's my question to you this morning. Is that something you are willing to commit to? to? Obviously, it's easy to commit to enjoying his grace. Whether you're a believer or not a believer, all mankind enjoys God's grace. That means you get to wake up, breathe air, enjoy life, feel the sunshine, eat food, play, work, have family, that's all under the grace of God. And, and whether you're a believer or not, you can, there's a time period where you can do that. But there will become a day where there is judgment. And those who have a relationship with Jesus will be put in one category, and those who do not know Jesus will be put in another category. And that is God's plan. Before that happens, it's important, and God gives time. For his people to share the good news of Jesus to others, so that as many as possible will know the grace the amazing grace of God now um, this is a sobering thought too you know god's plan is to to for us to enjoy his grace and extend his glory. We can either compliantly or willingly do that, but we might have to be kicking and screaming in doing that because this is important to to note that God's plan, his purposes cannot be stopped. They can't be thwarted. God's plans will happen because he's God. And just an example in the Bible, the story of Jonah. God wanted him to go to the Ninevites and share his grace to them. But Jonah... Hated the Ninevites, and deservedly so. The Ninevites were cruel people, enemies of Israel. They killed them, they tortured them, they raped them. But God said, "Jonah, go to the Ninevites and share the good news." And and Jonah refused. He tried to run away, and you know the whole big fish in the ocean swallowing him, spitting him out, and eventually Jonah unre. Um, uh, uncooperatively, reluctantly went to Nineveh. And even when he, he, he went there and shared the message that God had for the people, he was upset, he was angry, and, and, and God had to rebuke him. So don't be like Jonah. But even if you are like Jonah, there's no way of running away from God's purposes. If God's given you a command to, to follow, his plans cannot be thwarted. Now, um, a practical, moving more practically now, how do we share God's glory? And I said it's pretty much through our testimony and our witness. And we, we have only two options. is either you go or you send. Those are the two options, practical options of extending God's glory to the ends of the earth. Either you go or you send in one form or the other. And, and and this concept of going obviously we get it from the great commission and we find that in matthew 28 verses 18 to 20 where it says go therefore and make disciples of all nations pretty simple it's right there you can interpret go in any any form you want but go means to move from one place to another so whatever that means to you essentially god's plan is for us to go somewhere and to make disciples of all nations. And then sending is just is an opportunity to, to support those who are going. So those are the two options, go or send. And very practically, our missions team, in your programs, there's this green flyer, and it kind of has, for anyone thinking about going, or even sending, you kind of have to do a little bit of own personal preparation. You have to have a plan, and so our missions team a committee um, they they formed this plan of how to develop as a goer or sender and there's some very practical things and I, i'm just going to highlight a few of these for you that if if you're struggling with this whole concept of being a global minded Christian about one who is not uh, geocentric and just concerned about things in your own place, but to think with a Christian uh, God perspective of the world, here's some ways you can prepare yourself. And that is uh, one, we have an opportunity to learn about missions all over the world, about God's heart for sharing the gospel. It's a uh, perspectives class that's going to be given at uh, a first covenant church in Oakland starting in January. And if you're interested in, in learning about missions and how God works globally with different missionary groups, you can contact Scott Lynn and 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 sign up for that class. Many I know of you, some of you have already taken that course, and uh, my wife went through that course. And it's pretty intensive, but comprehensive, and it's a you have wonderful speakers. A lot of them were. Um, missionaries in the field, and they come and share in these classes. So it's a great opportunity to learn if, uh, in the perspectives class. Another thing to highlight is uh, something through InterVarsity Christian Fellowship is their Urbana Missions Conference, which happens to be in St. Louis, and that's going to be happening, I believe, December 27 to 31st. And I've been there. Uh, uh, my children uh, have been there. It's an amazing experience. Minimally, if you want, you've loved worship, it's, it's an amazing thing to spend um, New Year's Eve with 19,000 people worshiping together. It's, it's better than a K-pop concert. So, so it, it's an amazing experience. And if you haven't, you should go just to experience that. And then meet meet other great Christians who are on fire for God, whether you're going to go on missions or not. It's a great opportunity to hang out with some really neat people so uh, if you're interested we i know we have some scholarships available you can contact diana lamb if you're interested i really encourage you it, it, once in a lifetime and and some people have this um misunderstanding that this urbana conference is just for college age people it isn't it, it actually as long as i believe you're 18 above um Actually, I think you can be 17 and above. You can go to this conference. And and so they actually have tracks for um, adults, uh, older adults, uh, business people. There's a business people track. There's a a church leaders track. So it isn't just for college students. And so I do encourage you, if you really want to enjoy a time of learning uh, about missions and what God's doing in the world, this is a great conference to attend. And then finally... There's no better way to do, to learn about missions is to go make the small step of going on a short-term missions. And our church has coming up a trip going to Tijuana, Mexico to build uh, uh, shelters for people who are in transition down in Tijuana. And it's going to happen in November 30th, December 2nd. And we have spaces available. We'd love to send a full team so that we could build two homes down there. And so if you're interested, contact Gordon. And sign up for that. But that's uh, the only, you know, the best way to learn about missions is going and doing it. And, and the Tijuana one is a family-friendly one. It's one that many of us have gone on to. It's, it's a great, great time to be uh, among uh, other fellow believers on this kind of trip. And and seeing the culture down in Mexico is is an amazing experience. And that's one thing I encourage many of you to choose to do. Now, given these kind of options, you can read all of them. Actually, today we're going to have a missionary fair after service where you're going to be able to uh, interact with some live missionaries that our church supports and also look at some some booths about other mission organizations. So that's going to happen after service. There will be more instructions about that later uh, before we we finish um, the service. But better yet, we have, I have a live missionaries here, two people that our church uh, love and, and have supported over the year, uh, past six years or so, seven years, on their mission in Japan. So I want you all to give a warm welcome. Christian Layman Church, welcome to Mark and Jen Bellow. So yeah, it's it's great to see them back. Uh, they they were in Japan for what six years?
1: Six years. Yeah, six years.
0: And so we're going to have. I have a few questions for them just to to allow them to kind of share their experience. Um, going into the mission field is not like going on a Club Med vacation. <laughs> it it requires a lot of sacrifice and 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 work and planning and and. A lot of giving up, and 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 um, that's why I respect the Bellows in many ways, of being in many ways an extension of our church and being in the field. So welcome back. And so my first question to to you all is, how did your ministry in Japan uh, come to be? And if you're not familiar, uh, their ministry is was called um, or is called "Suicide Is a Lie," and so. How did it come to be?
1: Okay, I'll try to give a quick background answer. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, uh, Jen and I were here in the 90s. Um, actually, 25 years ago, I took a team to Urbana. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah 25 years, a long time ago. <laughs> um, and I was 30. Um, yeah, so you don't have to be just a <laughs> college student. In fact, one of, the, one of the women that we met there, She's from the same town as I am. She goes, oh, yeah, she's a college student. She goes, wait, you used to babysit me. And then I (laughs) felt really old. (laughs) Um, And we were, in in the late 90s, Jen and I actually led the missions group here at Lehman, um, but just never felt called to be missionaries. Um, But I have to tell you, if we're going to talk about how this all started, was probably when I started, when I moved to the Bay Area, coming here, from about 1993 on. Every time I took communion, I would tell God, Thank you for dying for me. Tell Jesus, Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for suffering. Um, I'm willing to do the same, to suffer for you, to pour my blood out for you. And every communion, I would say that. Every communion. So maybe, what is that, 20 years later, I think he calls me up on that. <laughs> <laughs> and he's basically saying, okay, are you really willing to do anything? And I would tell God, anything, anytime, place, anywhere, I'll go do whatever. Um, so in 2011, um, we were asked to consider going to Japan on a short-term mission with our church. And I'm not a traveler. I didn't get my passport till I was 42. I don't travel. <laughs> um, but we said, you know, when your pastor asks you if you want to do something and you don't really want to do it, what do you say? Well, let me pray about it, right? <laughs> so I said, yeah, let me pray about it. So the second day about praying about it, I'm asking God, do you want us to go on the short-term trip to Japan? And, and God says, are you willing to move to Japan? I'm like, you know, that's, you know, that's, you know I've got a question. He asked you a question kind of thing. <laughs> and I yelled it out of the shower. And Jen screamed. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's just not us. You know, we're thinking, God, do you want us to go on a, sh- on a short-term trip? And, but to move to Japan, that's, that's not us. Um, a few weeks later, taking a shower again, and God puts on our heart about reducing, working towards reducing suicide dramatically in Japan. And I remember after taking, after taking a shower, I'd go downstairs, check the internet. Oh my gosh, suicide's a problem in Japan. I didn't even know it was a problem in Japan. But every two or three days after that, I kept hearing, Reducing suicide in Japan, reducing suicide. Um, And it just wouldn't go away. Um, I'm going to try to combine one and a couple things (laughs) together here. Uh, So you think, gosh, are you calling us to Japan? I mean, and then you check with God. God, do you have the right guy? I've never been to Japan. I don't speak any Japanese. I still don't speak any Japanese. I don't know anything about suicide. I'm in the middle of career, uh, uh, IT career and I'm serving you faithfully here you know at a church that we were at and why pick up and move Jen's involved in church our kids are involved in a good education program in Irvine it just doesn't make sense and I reminded God several times I don't speak the language, I don't know anything about suicide, never been to Japan (laughs) Um, but it kept coming and eventually we decided uh, to go And uh, God was incredibly faithful, even setting up a nonprofit organization. I mean, we don't speak any Japanese. You know how hard it is to set up an organization here in the States. And So we asked somebody one day, and they said, oh, they'll help us. They just set it up, and they just set up a nonprofit organization, and within a month, we had a nonprofit organization running. At least I think so. All the paperwork's in Japanese. (laughs) (laughs) So I can't. But that's what she said. So, um, but God has been faithful in so many ways. And um, before we went, we spent, in, we spent a year just trying to research about suicide, root causes, symptoms, and trying to come up with uh, strategies,
0: how to come against it, etc. So, So Mark shared about the, the original call from God to go to Japan, and he shared a bit about his, his resistance, his, his Moses and Jonah kind of experience. Did you have any struggles or resistance that you'd like to share with us?
2: Yeah, I think, um, I think as a, as a growing up as a Christian, respecting my parents' wishes, they're believers, they believe in missions. Um, but surprisingly that was the most difficult thing to tell them because we always considered ourselves the senders, you know, um, but to actually tell them, "Oh, I think we're gonna we're gonna go to Japan and we're gonna sell everything we have," um, that really brushed up against um, my fear of their disapproval, uh, fear of what they considered successful. Um, and it, it sounds shallow, but it was it was very difficult for all of us involved, and my parents included, just talking with them. Um, what it revealed in our difficulty with them accepting our calling was um, that they were fearful for us. It, Remember, this was 2011 when we first told them, 2012, beginning of it. And the uh, tsunami had happened, and there was a lot of radiation in the waters. And they were really fearful that I was taking their grandkids and moving to a place that was not healthy. Um, So they had probably some legitimate concerns, but I think a lot of it was fear. Um, And walking through that with them... um, but I would have to say that was the most difficult because when you have your eyes on the Lord, you know he's going to take care of you. But then when you shift over and you have your eyes on your parents, um, that was incredibly difficult. And we, it took a few years to work through that. So that was a sacrifice to tell them, we love you, we hear what you're saying, but we need to follow the Lord.
0: So fast-forwarding a bit, you set up uh, this nonprofit in Japan, and I, I remember you sharing some of those stories of how amazing God Uh, made that so, uh, and your other visits here. So what kind of ways did you see God specifically work through your ministry, work in yourselves while you were in Japan? Um,
1: I think as we worked with a lot of English-speaking Christians, non-Christians, pastors, missionaries, I think one thing that was different was... um, well, how we got called to go, and I can tell you, we gave up everything and went not because we love God. I don't, I don't love God that much, <laughs> but I know that He loved us. That I knew, and that, and that was a huge difference. So when we're out in the field and things get difficult, and things are difficult, <laughs> uh, but God loves us, and if you know why you're called, you can do deal with whatever. You go no, I'm supposed to be here, and yeah, that's a that's a red red light, or that's a that's a hurdle. But, but you know, but we're called to be here. We're called to go. Um, so a lot of what we did, and, and our hearts really even before we went, our our life statement, mm-hmm. you know what you call it? our our mission statement for our family was uh, freedom in Christ. It is for freedom's sake that Christ set you free to be free from either sin or death or bad religion. And so we would meet with a lot of pastors and missionaries and ministers out there and just share, no, no, we don't have to do any of this. We don't have to do this. We get to. It's an opportunity. We get to walk with God and do this and be a light in a land that is very dark. Um, So we did a lot of ministry to people who had anxieties or depression uh, even, even Christians, or even dealing with suicide, again, even with Christians, people, you know, their parents were Christians and they committed suicide. The, the enemy is really, really sneaky, and um, so just walking with people, listening, um, doing a lot of education, educational things, doing a lot of training, getting people to explore the feelings, root cause uh, of things, and trying to set them free either from the expectations put upon them by their church, their sending churches, or expectation from the mission, or expectation of just their Christianity that said, "No, oh, they have to do this for God to love them. And we would tell them, no, whether you go or not, God doesn't, you know, before we left, we thought, whether we go or not, God isn't going to love us anymore. And if we choose not to go, he's not going to love us any less. It's, it's the same. He gave his son for us. He's not going to give us anymore. He gave everything for us. And that was freeing. And I hope that was a lot of freedom we were able to introduce to people out in the field. Um, As well as working with non-believers there and people dealing with anxiety and depression.
0: Well, thanks for sharing. And uh, let me give an opportunity to pray for them uh, as they transition back to the States. Um, They're going to go through a bit of reflecting and debriefing and, and and you can imagine the culture shock coming back to, to to the u.s so let me pray for them
2: uh can i say one thing oh, sure. i just wanted to thank um a lot of you who actually reached out a lot personally and even some came to visit us in japan just walking with us because we really felt like we were doing it together we weren't like special experts sent out um, it was very homegrown and i think that's something really special about clc so
0: I just want to say thank you. Yeah. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for uh, Jen and Mark who, who are part of our body and um, they are our hands and feet and they are they were serving in Japan for over six years and, and we know it came at a cost but we know that you had called them and they were in the right place at the right time. So we pray that you would continue to bless them as they they have returned um, the future is not quite clear for them. Allow them a time, safe space to 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 rejuvenate, to renew themselves, to be able to reflect on what happened and Lord, uh, you're a good God, and you're a God, um, not because of what they have done, uh, but because of your great love for them, you will bless them with your amazing grace. So I thank you lord for for their service. And I thank you for their contribution and sharing this morning. So I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank Let's give you. them a, a hand. So, so there, Mark and Jen, are examples of people who answered a call to go. Now, I said there's only two options to extend God's glory. It's either to go or to send. And, and this concept of sending is expressed by the Apostle Paul. And you can see it in verse Eight in chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians, Apostle Paul said this, I robbed other churches, and he's kind of saying it kind of rhetorically that he robbed other churches by accepting support from them in order to serve you. So the concept is implied there that the church, the church's people, provide resources to help missionary like Paul go out into the mission to establish new churches, plant new churches through their funding. And that's the concept of what it means to be a sender to be a sender in God's plan. And instead of me talking, I have another person that is a very great sender, is Steve Louie. So why don't we call him up, give him a welcome, and then I have a few questions for him to share. Hello, Steve. Hi, Kelly. Are you recovered?
3: Shake hand before you walk away.
0: Steve went on that fishing trip with us, so... We, we share those war stories of being struggling and catching fish, right?
3: We did. <laughs> and I have to say something about Calvin's um, comment earlier. Um, he said that God answers prayer. And um, there are also a lot of averages. And Calvin caught five and I caught zero. <laughs> but that's okay because I, had, uh, I went from the house of feasting to the house of mourning, Right. <laughs> But in my morning, I had to, I did something really interesting. I've always wanted to go and see David Jeremiah at Shadow Mountain Church in San Diego, and I says, "Well, since I'm in the house of morning, I'm going to go and see David Jeremiah." And it was a huge blessing to my wife Colleen and I. So that's uh, he does answer prayers. My prayer wasn't as exciting as yours, been catching the fish, but it's okay. Thank you.
0: Well, you got uh, spiritual feeding in another way. Exactly. Right? Okay. Exactly. So. So Steve, you're here as a representative of Ascender, of a so how, what, what in your life caused you to inspire you to be Ascender?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, first of all, I wanna say hi to everybody here today. You're, I'm excited to see everyone because this, for me, is a very valuable time to share a little bit about my life. Um, I've had a really exciting, blessed life, I have to say. Um, when I was young, grew up in Canada, And I went to a small church called Hollyburn Gospel Chapel. And at that time, as a young person, I saw how the church supported ministries. So they supported ministries in countries all over the world, in Bolivia, a lot of South America. And then when I was in Toronto living with Colleen and I and our youngest, Davis, uh, we went to a church called the People's Church. And there was a pastor there whose name was Oswald Smith. And... um, he had a great influence. The the church was all about missions. And um, he said, if you can't go yourself, you must send another. So that resonated in my mind. I said, wow, that's an interesting concept because we just couldn't go abroad. We didn't feel like, you know, we are already living away from Vancouver where we grew up. And, you know, how could we go somewhere even further? So to hear that concept, it really resonated with me. And then also um, one of my uncles... um, bill lee bill and miriam lee they um actually went to taiwan in the 70s and they started the navigator so part of our family um they were into missions and so i had this influence very early in my in my life and of course my dad was a big supporter of
0: missions so Uh, can you uh share a bit about some of the ministries overseas that you support and And how some of those ministries have seen God's workings?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, in terms of, you know, why I'd want to support the missions, uh, a little bit of the history, but is that you know, really the greatest thing that we can do is share the gospel because as believers, we've been saved, right? We have nothing to fear, right? And you want to be able to share that with other people, so um, there's a couple of missions abroad that um, Colleen and I have s- supported. Uh, one of them is um, Hope for the Nations, um, Philippines. Uh, another one is uh, Young Life China. And actually, it's Young Life Asia. And I think um, there's people here who can get involved in that, and I'm going to ask you later if you want to support it. And another one is also Bring the Books, which is a ministry... Um, that's about uh, distributing Christian literature in China, right? And um, it's sanctioned by the Chinese government, so they uh, repurpose Christian material and distribute to rural parts of China. Uh, I'll come back and describe um, what Hope for the Nations is, because I think I forgot to describe in detail. But that ministry is about um, supporting and serving the underprivileged in the city of Davo. Uh, a good friend of mine who was, uh, uh, in his career in software, decided to go to, he felt called to go into missions like um, Jen and Mark. And um, he went to the Philippines to where he's from. And he's working in the inner city. And they're teaching these young kids who have no hope for a, a bright future, just life skills. And then through that, teaching them education, education, health and um, and they 're sharing the Bible, right, so all three of the ministries that i 've that we 've supported have been around uh, supporting and making sure that we 're sharing the lord 's goodness and grace in the gospel and then the third one is young life, of course, and young life um, it 's a global ministry, but I got involved with young life uh, at an early age uh, when I was a teenager, and that 's where I became a Christian at a young life camp, so to me. I've been involved most of my life, and you know, about five years ago, I got back connected with Young Life China, and they bring a group of Chinese people, students, into the U.S. every year, and they were looking for homestay families, and so Colin and I decided to, to do that, and we've been richly blessed. It's been amazing because we've met these kids who come from China, um, they're for, here for a two-week um, visit, and... We find out at the beginning they're kind of cool, not sure where they're coming from. By the end, they're just so excited. They've, their lives have been transformed. And it was so amazing to hear that in China, you've never heard the name Jesus. They don't, they've never heard the name Jesus before. And to me, that blows my mind because we're, we're here in the U.S., you know, we hear, um, hear his name and we have not understand there's resources and people. But in China, don't hear about it.
0: So briefly, is there finally something you could say to encourage the church about being senders?
3: Sure. So um, I thought about this because um, Kelvin gave me these questions in advance to, <laughs> so I wasn't completely caught off guard. But in, in my career, um, I've been involved in the software industry and one of our customers um, had been Amazon. So we all understand Amazon, right? We, we go online... We love the great prices. We click buy, and two days later, um, a guy in a brown suit shows up uh, from UPS or or maybe FedEx, right? And we shake his hand. We get the package. We're so excited, right? In a lot of ways, um, missions, people in missions, they're like those people on the the last mile. Uh, They hand you the package, right? But what's really going on here? There's a lot behind them, right? There's thousands of people. There's conveyor belts. There's logistics trucks. There's everything to deliver that package. But you, as a consumer, get that experience. You get that package. You rip it open. Oh, I got this. I got it for a great deal, right? So as a sender, we're like the people. We're the infrastructure, right? My experience in talking with different missions people is that it's really hard. They're confronted with... Um, a lot of challenges, right? And um, they need our support, right? They need our prayers, most importantly. They need our love, right? They need the blessings of the Lord to do what they do, right? And they need our financial support. You can't, they can't do it alone. So just like that UPS or FedEx guy, he can't, he didn't, he didn't make that product. He didn't drive, you know, he didn't get it from the distribution center he didn't do any of those things. He just picked it up from the local depot and just delivered, he, and he gets all the credit. In a lot of ways, the missionaries the same way. All right? so for each one of you, I can tell you the blessings of supporting other people in the field, if it can't be you, are immense. God will always give you 10x of what you give to him, right? So if you feel that you want to participate, I can tell you from my life it's been amazing, um, and just this last summer, these girls I'd mentioned from Young Life, they came, they stayed at our house for three days, and uh, we saw them two weeks later. And then one of them committed her life to Christ. It was just an amazing thing. So, to me, I just brought it brought tears to my eyes to say that I just did a little, one little thing. I opened up my house, fed them a meal, shared a little bit of our life with them, and they. And God does everything else, right? So.
0: Well, thank you. Why don't give Steve a hand? And I encourage you, if you have a chance to, after service, to talk to him. Yeah. Well, you know, we've been talking about being goers and senders, and it's a great thing to follow God's plan and doing that. But there is a cost. There is a risk. But God's a great God that will reward, give a reward for if you are obedient. Following Jesus has a cost, but Jesus promises us that anything we sacrifice for him, he will return back a hundredfold. When we sacrifice, it's an opportunity for God to bless us, to extend his amazing grace. Now, I want to go back to that story that I'm using as a mini parable for me, my, my fishing. Now, there's a part of that fishing story that required us to kind of sacrifice when we go fishing, we usually carry our passports because we want to go into Mexico and be able to fish in Mexican waters. But without a passport, we can't really do that. So it cuts out a big portion of the fishing grounds and also an option that could be viable because the, f- the tuna are mobile. <laughs> and they could decide to all of a sudden to go into Mexican waters and you can't chase after them. So on this particular trip, we always send out an email and text messages, whatever, and phone calls. We tell everybody, whenever we see them, bring your passport, bring your passport. We do this on every trip, we do this months in advance. I mean, we we, we say it to, to we're, we're tired of saying it. But on this particular trip, one of the members of our fishing party thought he, he knew where his passport was. So it was like an hour Before the trip, he went to go get it, and it wasn't there. And so he was frantic. He tore down his house trying to find that passport. But he finally had to call us and said, I can't find my passport. Now, there's 14 other guys. We all have our passports. And so, you know, we're not that magnanimous. I mean, we were thinking, we gave you forewarning. There was enough heads up. I think we're going to have to leave you at the dock. (laughs) Because 14 other guys have their passports and we're going to go after yellowfin tuna. So then one of the guys had a, um, the fortunate gumption to talk to the captain. And the captain said, uh, I think we should be able to find fish without passports. So why don't you have that guy come? So I remember on the speaker phone uh, Warren was on the phone and he called this friend. And, and this friend was like, Giddy like a child. I mean, we could hear him giggling and screaming, and he was so happy that he could come on the trip. But my point is here, it took 14 of us to be willing to sacrifice our interest for the interest of that one person. God heard our prayers, and we did catch fish. So that was an amazing testimony of what God wants to do for us, that he wants to bless us, and he has an amazing capacity to extend his grace to us. Jesus says this in verse 29 to 30 in verse 10 of Mark. Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. That's an amazing promise when we are willing to, to sacrifice for him to be a sender or a goer it's a real cost It requires sacrifice but we gladly do this because jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for us on the cross and that's why today we have an opportunity to remember jesus and what he did on a cross through communion and before me is the lord's table and uh, on the night that jesus was betrayed he had an intimate meal with his disciples And on that evening, uh, during the meal, Jesus took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that has been given to you. Remember me in doing this. Then later, after the meal was done, Jesus took a cup of wine, and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Drink of it in remembrance of me. So that's what we celebrate, what Jesus did on the cross, so that we could be reconciled with God and receive that amazing grace that transforms us and allows us to have eternal life. Here at Christian Layman Church, we practice what is known as open communion. So all you have had done is made that personal commitment to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you're welcome to come enjoy the table. And you can just come down the center aisle, take a piece of the bread, dip it in the juice, and eat of it at your own timing. So let me pray for us as we prepare for this time. Also, today we have special blessings. So I encourage you to receive special blessings from our prayer ministers up here. It's an opportunity to allow God to give you uh, his grace through our prayer ministers. If there's something more specific that you like to be uh, prayed over, some concern, some burden, we have prayer ministers in the back in the prayer station back there who will be happy to pray for you more extensively. So I invite you to come. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus who went to the cross so that we may be reconciled back to you, that he paid the price, that we can be uh, washed of our sins, our brokenness, so that we can be made worthy to receive your communion and a relationship with you. We thank you, Lord, for your graciousness. And it's all to you, to your glory, that we give testimony and testify to. So we thank you in Jesus' name.
2: Amen.